with sound. Alright. What's up everyone? Welcome back to Watch With Sound. My name is Josh Andicho and with me is Carmela Ocampo. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing the 2016 movie Moonlight, directed by Barry Jenkins, starring Trevante Rhodes, Andre Holland, Naomi Harris, Janelle Monet, and Maharshala Ali. Carmela, what did you think of Moonlight? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was like a really, really well-made movie. Um, and although like the plot structure was like pretty straightforward, um, its complexity like lied, basically lied within like the story that was being told, which is through the lens of a queer African American, um, which is like a story I don't think that is like normally told at all in like media. Not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I thought it was just like such a heavy, dramatic, and emotionally charged like what's it called point of view and very very important it just like felt super important that i was like seeing this perspective basically and it was like beautifully done too like from the cinematography to the music and to just the amazing acting yeah just to give it a little more context this movie won best picture at academy awards best original screenplay at the academy awards best supporting actor at the academy awards best picture at the golden globes and the first film with all black cast and lgbtq related to win best picture um yeah i have to agree with you this movie was really really eye-opening and jaw-dropping it was like i described it to you after i watched it i described it like a scary movie but not with scares with emotions like it was sort of like this roller coaster of a ride and just a crazy film to watch and i know what you guys are all thinking like oh why did it take you so long to watch moonlight why did it take you so long to do an episode on it um and personally i really don't know i feel like um 2016 was a time where like la la land came out and i was like in love with la la land and like in love with that movie and i don't know if it was like the bias of me like liking la la land so much that i didn't want to watch moonlight um but at the same time i kind of didn't have like this interest to even watch in the first place um carmela why haven't you watched it yet <laughs> yeah i think it was for a similar reason um also quick shout out to my friend steph who was the one who was like what you haven't seen moonlight <laughs> i figured you of all people would have seen moonlight <laughs> so i basically watched it because she was like you should watch it it's a really good movie um and yeah it, la la land came out i was like dude la la land is an amazing movie it's a musical and, and baby goose and emma stone were amazing um and i think it there was like an awkward moment at the academy awards actually where they like mistakenly said La La Land one and then they were like wait it's actually Moonlight do, oh, you, yeah. do you remember that yeah, yeah it was, like I kind of had like an attitude it kinda. was like really weird and yeah. um that's like not why I didn't watch Moonlight but I also put it in under the category of like best picture winners that I'll eventually get to watching kind of thing there's like a bunch of best picture movies I haven't seen um but yeah, I'm. I'm just. I mean, I'm glad I finally watched it after what four years, um, and it is still still important today. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because we're actually recording this on May 27th, 
which was just released about the information of George Floyd and how he was murdered by a police officer. And not only that, but there have been so many other black lives that have been like murdered throughout this month and throughout even like just like these three months i feel like there's been a lot of murders and like it's interesting that you know we it's not like we picked this episode on purpose but the fact that we're recording this on this tragic time um i also wanted to connect that within the movie and sort of how that builds to main character's identity and the identity of black people in the society and how they're treated but yeah just a little context as well that it just so happens that we're doing this episode on such a terrible time yeah which um is why i feel like now more than ever that movies like moonlight that basically shed light on african-american like perspective and stories is like more important now than ever um and yeah so what did you think of the movie josh beyond like it being like an emotionally <laughs> scary roller coaster um i just i like i was very interesting because i did not i like i got a sense of what it was about because like like the first maybe what 20 minutes they sort of like went out with it like they said like all the derogatory words for a gay person and like i kind of got that and the fact is like a predominantly black community i was like okay i kind of get what's happening but i didn't know what direction it was going to go to and like watching it it was just so crazy because you know he has so much problems and it's so hard for me like he even says to himself like i just want to be normal and like that's like like right off the bat that's gonna be in the movie yeah. <laughs> like that part got to me so hard and like it's just so crazy to see um from that point already an emotional point how it went on from there i just love how well not love but and because it's sad i but i think each what's it called each time each act and each like part of his life was so well fleshed out that you literally like like felt like you watched his whole life basically and you understand how he developed from like one kind of person into another from like you know starting from his childhood you see like how he was like emotionally and physically abused by like his mom and like bullies already from a young age and then into his adolescence it like it basically was just like amplified um and then into adulthood how he like basically compensated for everything in his childhood and adolescence and just became this like super masculine like um version of himself and um yeah i thought that each act and each actor that represented um chiron was just freaking amazing <laughs> like yeah yeah it was cool to see it um kind of like in his like nickname so chapter one's like little childhood chiron is like his adolescence and then black is like in his adulthood where he's just this masculine person and sort of the drug dealer that you know was repeated from his early age when yeah. he experiences it which is kind of crazy um but yeah just to get into it it starts off um him as a little kid like i said earlier it starts off really emotional with like just the fact that like he wants to be normal and he's always getting like bullied by these kids and stuff like that and it's just so hard already like the beginning of the movie it's so hard to like watch and see what happens to this kid yeah and i mean luckily they introduce Juan's character who's played by um mahershala ali who essentially 
acts as like a father figure to him because i don't think he his dad was like not in the picture basically um and juan's character was interesting because he was technically like morally gray because he's like selling drugs to like people in the neighborhood but you see that he's kind of a good guy so you're kind of like mildly conflicted i know i was i was like dude this yeah. guy's like he's a good guy he's like trying mm-hmm. to like you know kind of raise this like raise chiron basically and like teach him what it means to be like like a like being black in like this world and like what it means to be a man and but at the same time he's selling drugs to his mom which is causing yeah. her to like abuse him which is crazy yeah, and that the first act and that sort of conflict of like how Paula is this like drug addict that essentially is very abusive to her son and very mean to her son and you have Juan who's this loving father figure that kind of came out of nowhere um and you see the con- like you start to like Juan and you start to like figure out oh this might be a movie about you know this father figure raising this kid but then you figure out that like he's one of the reasons why his mom is addicted to drugs and even in that scene where like he like sees her smoking like crack with the boyfriend or whatever like yeah. he like almost like throws her out of the car and like gets mad at her like what are you doing like you have a son at home and she like kind of throws this like she's like dude you're the one who- like, yeah exactly like what do you mean like yeah. you're the one that's selling this to me are you not gonna sell this sell this to me anymore like are you gonna raise my son now like what are you gonna do about this and mm-hmm. like you could tell juan's in this like quandary of like like what do i do do i make this living do i like it was so crazy to see this like weird you know catch 22 of like he's a loving person but also he's fueling um his his mom to be a drug addict essentially and it's so crazy to see that and and sort of like flip the the script on his head yeah that he's this loving person but also he's also destroying other people as well at the same time he's like kind of like the invisible hand in like destroying chiron's life but at the same yeah, time exactly. trying to nurture it so you're like uh-huh how you and like no wonder sharon was like effed up from the beginning (laughs) like he had such an morally ambiguous like uh figures to like look up to and like i mean on top of that being like unknowingly like being queer and like struggling with that kind of identity that kid just had an identity crisis from like the get-go and it's just like super sad to see um and it's like super real for a bunch of people out there um yeah and you don't i don't think you have to be queer or black to be able to like semi-relate to like not knowing who you are as a person or not knowing who you are like in terms of your sexuality but um yeah it's like i feel like this kid was just like just had the worst hand dealt with him from like growing up like surrounded with all of these vices basically and you're like man how is he gonna like basically turn out which is what exactly. i thought when he he was a kid yeah because like he really is touched with like the worst hand ever all aspects of everything yeah. like, his friends are mean like his mom doesn't really love him as much and it sort of like gets mad at him because she's sort of looking at him as sort of her fault and her guilt because whenever mm-hmm. like you see her look at like you see her look at him and she's like high or whatever and really angry like you could tell that she kind of like has this battle in her head like oh i have a son but also i'm addicted to these drugs and i don't know how to raise my son like this or raise my son in general raise my son alone a single mother like 
you sort of see her transfer her guilt and anger to Chiron and sort of like make his life worse essentially and it just get like it just gets so bad for him and like you're so happy with like juan and and teresa the girlfriend sort of like oh yeah they're they're gonna help him out yeah 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 and then we get into the second part of the movie chiron and his adolescence and it's revealed that juan has died at, in like some unknown circumstance but he's basically Man. he's gone you're like dude that's crazy and so he's what in like high school now and he doesn't have a father figure anymore he still hangs out with Teresa sometimes but basically his mom like ever since he was a kid has like guilt tripped him for like even spending time with like another mom essentially a healthier mom I guess um and I it seems like her his mom has like I think this was like at her worst stage in her addiction because she like you see she's like gone completely off the rails she is like not doing good um and i think this is when she like basically robs her son of money or like guilt trips him she's like where's like yeah i know you have money and like manipulates him emotionally basically to make him feel bad for not like taking care of her when she's the one who should be taking care of him um and his situation at school is like not like not any better either and yeah like even even like the the schoolmates at his school and classmates and stuff like that know that his mom also is an addict like they know about this information like what she does Mm -hmm. and like how much he fiends for this drug and it's even making it worse for him obviously it's not making it better but like it's making (laughs) it worse for him at school yeah and like one of those people who know about it is this bully i don't know his name but he has a bully of course he does and it seems like they like get a sense that he's queer or he's like gay or whatever and they like pick on him and they call him like i don't know what they call him i forgot but do they still call him little i can't remember uh i forgot i don't remember what they call him it's okay but yeah essentially he has a bully but also he has another friend named Kevin who mm. was seems like a childhood friend too you briefly see him in the beginning they only interact like once and they like wrestle i guess but as like kids yeah. um and so Kevin seems cool you know yeah. and i'm like okay cool yeah and so i forgot how it happened like one night Chiron, I think he his mom either his mom was like not being cool and like he just wants to not be home and so he like basically takes the train and goes to the beach and lo and behold like Kevin is there he like also hangs out at the beach um and this is like when you get your first like instance of him like kind of discovering his like sexuality or like realizing it or something um and so yeah he and kevin like basically like (laughs) i guess touch each other or whatever and like Mm -hmm. they have like a moment um and it's very like very impactful and like i think kevin drives him home and he's like hey good night but neither of them seem like freaked out or anything they're kind of like chill you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then the next day kevin is like forced to basically beat up Chiron through the bully or else mm-hmm. the bully will like beat up Kevin I guess yeah right it's essentially like this 
um masculine thing of like if you don't do this then you're like a pussy to me or whatever yeah. and you're you're like and that's sort of the thing that like kevin had to deal with and conflict with because obviously he cares about chiron and and even when they were kids like kevin was the one to be like hanging out with him and like sort of point at like try to push him in the right way as regards to like how to act with the other kids and stuff like that um and i think the reason why um chiron had to go to the beach that day is because i think his mom was like smoking and or having sex for oh, yeah, yeah. drugs or something um and even at this part too when i saw kevin at the beach i thought it was like a dream i didn't think it was real i didn't really? think like he was actually there because like there's no way like how do you guys even know like how do you guys even like align this <laughs> maybe um, it's like a spot i don't know the beach yeah yeah maybe know. um and he just sort of like they sort of talk about how like the beach is just like this escape for them especially during the time and during the area that they live in mm-hmm. um but yeah they, they share that moment and then afterwards um the next day kevin is like peer pressured and essentially has to beat up chiron yeah to prove that he's sort of like this man and sort of like this person that won't back down from a challenge and is this masculine man man um and it's so really heartbreaking to see because you know kevin like doesn't want to do this and like chiron is just taking the punches and like just letting it happen and like kevin does not want to do this and wants him to like fall down so he doesn't do this anymore but like Sharon is just taking the pain in and sort of like taking the punches it's kind of like it kind of reflects how he was like when he's little and like how these people treat him he just takes the punches in and sort of let it happen and it's it's a really heartbreaking thing to see yeah um especially with this part and then the next day Sharon gets up in the morning and he and there's like no dialogue you just see his face he just looks super mad and like stern but you don't you know something might happen you're like okay he's up to something and so he goes to school he's still like very stoic silence absolutely nothing and then he's in class he walks into class and then he picks up a chair and then he like straight up hits the chair across the back of the bully's back and he just like knocks out right away cold and you're like oh my god like i was shocked i thought he killed him i was like Oh, yeah i thought shit. he killed one i thought he killed him too i thought it was a dream because like this again you this doesn't seem like something that happened like what happened like it just so happens to like just hit him out of nowhere yeah it hit crazy. us out of nowhere too we're yeah. like what <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah essentially the the second act ends so that's how it ends he is like arrested and presumably goes to juvenile hall and then the third act begins his adulthood called black which was um kevin's nickname for him at the time and sort of it also like honestly describes what he becomes sort of like this this figure of masculinity buffness and like intimidation like he just sort of becomes this like scary figure and becomes a drug dealer essentially and Mm -hmm. and sort of follows the same footsteps as juan who died because of drugs and because of um you know like turfs and stuff like that i'm guessing but yeah and he becomes this like person of that was that was essentially killing his mom in the first place and it was cool to see this part because like he visits his mom and he tells his mom the truth and like he like the mom kind of realizes like what's happening to him and sort of the cycle that he's falling into um and this part is really emotional too because like the mom kind of like realizes you know how he how she treated him and how she was on drugs and how she was um not control of herself and like he she really really does still care about her son and sort of where he goes in life and he she knows like the path of this takes like juan 
sell drugs than dies you know he's supplying the death and supplying the sort of like addicts you know fuel for everything like this and this part is just like so emotional because like you you kind of see chiron break down and see the mom break down and sort of you know she like she essentially becomes a better mother at that point and yeah like at that point too you're also thinking like is she too late like is she too Mm -hmm. late to be this mom for him now and is she too late to stop him from what he's doing is she too late from stopping him to to stop the process and the sort of the system that he's been stuck in um and that part is just so crazy to me because like uh, yeah it's just so hard to like watch yeah in a good way not a not a it's hard to watch i could like yeah i don't want to cry away <laughs> yeah i it was very cathartic like that moment um and i feel like that's a moment i feel like personally not many people have with like those kinds of things they i feel like people like go on living their lives not really reconciling like the nap the damage they've done to others and actually like say sorry and ask for forgiveness um and i think it and at that point like yeah a lot of people might think that it's too late like for the mom to be like hey sorry i fucked up your life i wasn't like the best mom or whatever but honestly i think like even if it's too late it's still it's still nice it still matters i think at that point even though he's already like this you know grown man who like essentially like learned how to fend for himself at that point um and just i guess got harder but still continued the cycle of like i i guess like drug abuse and you can tell like in the quiet like moments when he's seen by himself that like he's kind of just acting like this person he thinks he needs to be if that makes sense because you still notice like the like the real chiron inside which is like this really quiet like like subtle like person not this like loud like you know like super like i don't know masculine like not that there's anything bad with that but it it just like seemed really like obvious that he was acting like someone he thought he needed to be yeah that he kind of grew up into like what he essentially thought he meant to be and essentially like what he needed to be this masculine person that provides money and sort of like does the hustle and bustle and stuff like that um and then it goes into the part of getting the phone call from Kevin. Um, and they sort of talk about like, oh, if you're in the city, if you're around here, you could, you know, come by. We could hang out, whatever, whatever. Um, and essentially it was kind of almost like he, Kevin kind of wanted to apologize for everything and sort of catch up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get, when you like f- get this call, and when he meets up with him, you're kind of like questioning whether or not Kevin, you know, is um calling him because of a romantic thing or calling him just to call him um and it's like a really really tense moment it's like the last like 30 minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. like it's really really tense because you don't know like what's gonna happen and yeah will they will they not um and you sort of see them like you know bond and get together and then even kevin finds out that he's you know slinging and like Mm -hmm he's disappointed in Sharon as well because he, he like he notices like look like look around you look what happens like look at like the system that you're put in and look at the system that you know has been created for us essentially becoming you know um these adolescents growing up to be you know drug dealers and sort of falling into the system of juvenile hall or jail and falling into the system of being whatever you could possibly be which is 
essentially a drug dealer at that time and what your options are at that time aren't that much and a lot of people in that area are only subjected to drug dealing and they don't have any other options or any other way to get out of their current position um but then again with meeting up with kevin you sort of see the duality of the the identifications between you know being masculine and not masculine and being comfortable with yourself and it's sort of like that shines through especially when you get back to kevin's place because he's living by the beach and he sort of talks to him about like yeah i'm struggling day to day i'm i have this lousy job but i have no worries like i'm good i'm fine like i'm able to ride i'm able to live here like i feel really good like essentially like he didn't have to be this masculine drug dealer masculine person to see the joyness of life and see the fact that like the little things and little things that you know matter to him are what matter to like to his life and like make his life better yeah i feel like kevin definitely like found a way out of like the the cycle and because he i think he also went to some sort of jail or prison and that's how he ended up cooking i think he ended up being a cook for the prison or something and then he realized he enjoyed it um and then after he got out he like just started cooking and then made his way and made like a living from that um and i think he also like is a father and like has a daughter or something i think that effective affected him in also a positive way but yeah it was like cool to see yeah that contrast between like how chiron ended up and how kevin ended up because yeah the difference is so clear with someone who is like clearly comfortable with who they are and what they ended up doing in their life versus someone who is like still pretending and even kevin could still tell he's like dude this isn't you like yeah exactly like why are you trying to show off to me like i'm a boy essentially yeah with his like big chain like super loud rap music in the car and it's like even down to his car it's like the same car that like juan drove basically yeah exactly um and yeah i just want to say kevin adult kevin was played by andre holland and he's super cute (laughs) and he was in the (laughs) second episode or the first season of castle rock and he's a great actor and i really liked him so i was excited when i saw it was him i was like oh my god it's andre holland anyways (laughs) um yeah and so when they go back to kevin's apartment kevin like basically like keeps pressing chiron to like finally talk about like that moment they had at the beach and chiron like finally says like hey like i actually haven't been with anybody since that day and i'm like whoa yeah i was saying the same thing this man has not been intimate with anyone since his teenage years that's crazy yeah and but i also think that like also plays into the fact that like he's closeting his true identity and like that's sort of why he doesn't get with you know women or yeah get with anyone else because he's sort of in this weird identity crisis of like how do i act outside versus how i want to really act and i think that's kind of why he sort of saved himself not save himself but not be with anyone other than self (laughs) 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 and also like he couldn't really you know find love with anyone else um yeah except for kevin and and kevin is also the person to sort of like shine the light of his true self because he knows Mm. him pretty well he knows Sharon pretty well and he sort of like says you know so brings him out to his vulnerability and brings us out to his like true self the true Sharon true Sharon yeah it ends with 
um, kind of ambiguously, but on a hopeful note, I think Kevin and Chiron are just like resting on someone's shoulder and it like the last um, thing you see is Chiron as a kid again and he's at the beach um, and it's nighttime and he's like bathed under moonlight and then it ends and you're like oh my god that was so beautiful (laughs) and wow I feel like I just went through a whole lifetime of abuse and like (laughs) sadness but everything turned out okay yeah yeah Yeah. at the ending is very nice like the fact that it sort of played off of I've never been touched by someone and it just shows them kind of like you know holding each other and sort of loving each other for who they are and like being vulnerable together um and it was really nice just to see that like a good positive thing actually happened to Chiron for once (laughs) um but yeah that sort of goes into that and then just to talk about you know the themes of the movie you have identity black masculinity vulnerability and also just the struggle sexuality within the film but i also wanted to bring up the sort of institutionalized racism that happens within this country especially it's it's like it's shown in this movie but not i don't think it was exemplified as much no but you sort of have even with the cycle of his childhood and where he lives there's no one you know helping them out in this area there's no one improving the the culture the population of that city that desperately needs help obviously if there's like drug dealers and people out there yeah um there's no sort of authority or or anyone even policing that area you know to stop stuff like this happening um and then when he was a kid he goes to juvenile hall and it seemed like he was in there for a really long time just for essentially it was a bad thing obviously hitting him in the back of the bully but yeah i think it was sort of for one it's like his first time offense it's not something that like he's known to do and he's he's obviously also really bullied so i think um i i wouldn't be surprised if he was in juvenile hall for that long and and even when you get to kevin in the adulthood he talks about going to jail for a really long time as well and i know there's a lot of um people in jail that are falsely accused especially black people falsely accused sentenced ridiculous sentences for no apparent reason and especially looking at like today right now someone was killed by a cop and that cop just gets fired there's no yeah there's no conviction there's no conviction and it's just it's the system that like is created against black people and is so prominent within the united states in general and it it that's why i kind of saw this movie too like the same area that yeah there's this like overwhelming racism that stops black people from striving to be who they want to be and it's just it's just sad and it's very angering as well because like it people always blame you know black people pocs for like their current struggle and position but a lot of the times they can't control that a lot of times the system keeps them in that place and Mm -hmm. does not help them whatsoever and it's getting frustrating for me to even talk about it but like because it's just so terrible to see stuff like this happen and nothing happen you know no justice is served no sort of you know equalizer is here like it just it's terrible to see especially george floyd like there's no point of killing someone who's innocent and really doesn't do anything wrong for them to get killed and and the cop who has history as well being racism in the past to just walk off and like lose his job like that's not good enough you know that's like it's not justice it's this tyranny and power that like overtakes you know united states and puts down these black people and these minorities to the same state that seems like the same state like 400 years ago you know like yeah. a second class citizen you know 
almost to the point of like having no rights essentially and it's just really infuriate infuriating and like it's really <laughs> it's heating me up so yeah. yeah pop off dude and like <laughs> the thing that made me also angry was just yeah those comparisons between how the fucking like people who were armed white i'm gonna say white people who were armed and like <laughs> protested against like the pandemic and like businesses being closed and like shoving their guns and faces and like cops like faces and like literally no one like no cop was like choking anybody or kneeling on anybody's neck and you know why we all know why (laughs) yeah if those were like black people like they would all be dead like literally yeah and it's just so like crazy to just to compare those two things because it's i don't know it's just so obvious that like there's obviously like a lot of problems with police force and a lot of problems with like the justice system and like i feel like it's just so it's so out there and everyone could see it but nothing's happening and yeah yeah like, like what you said the protests like these people there are videos of people saying like i brought my gun just in case the police act up and like you have people you know sort of like it's just like i don't know it's just so messed up okay so <laughs> apart from our little rant and sort of getting into you know current times um as regards like the movie and um sharon's identity being this black queer person and being this minority within a minority um he sort of pushed into being this super masculine being and drug dealer within the movie and i think it's interesting to see someone like kevin to sort of call him out on that because even like the guy that was drug dealing with him aside he was really scared of him like he was like oh you counted wrong and like he the guy's like no i didn't i didn't count wrong he's like petrified and like at the end of it sharon's like oh i'm kidding he goes like what (laughs) what kind of joke you're like dude what is wrong with you he's like haha just playing around <laughs> it's like dude are you serious he's like haha this is what tough people do they kid around right like that yeah that was like one prime example that was like so obvious to me that he was just i mean like we were all it was all like very clear he was pretending but that was like felt so unnatural he was just like haha just kidding you counted wrong I was fucking with you, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you good? We like, good, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're cool, right? No, it was just so awkward. Um, and yeah, back to like, I guess the name of the movie. I thought it was cool. You know that Leonardo DiCaprio moment? You're like, they said it. <laughs> yeah. They said, they said it. the name of the movie. Um, yeah. In the beginning, I think when um, Juan is teaching Chiron how to swim, he like tells him a story about when he was like back in cuba and this old lady was like i forgot what she was doing but anyways in conclusion the quote is in moonlight black boys look blue and i think blue was um juan's nickname i think and then he finally like shed that nickname and became like the person he like wanted to be or something and i think i think that quote is supposed to like represent like vulnerability like moonlight is supposed to represent vulnerability as seen by like the moment where um kevin and chiron like where they had that moment at the beach and like i guess that last like scene in the movie where little chiron's bathed in moonlight he like has finally been able to like open himself up to another person and like be comfortable in his own skin kind of thing yeah i think um blue comes up a lot black and sort of pink as well when you sort of see the mom in the room goes into the pink room 
Um, and it sort of explains the, the sort of complicated mother-son relationship that she has with her son and sort of um, it illuminates when, you know, that, that sort of scenes happen. Like, they can't, they can't, like, she can't contain, you know, being a mother and control herself being a mother and being addicted to drugs as well. Yeah. It sort of, you know, contrasts with how she is and sort of how motherhood is to her. And that's, it's cool to see that sort of, like, pink bright room in that scene and sort of her walking into it yeah the yeah i didn't even realize that um that there was like another color that was super prominent but yeah i remember seeing that pink room and then like her kind of looking at chiron like as if she hated him almost and then just walking back into the room kind of reminds me of like yeah the the lights you might like associate with like strip clubs or like things that like our vices like you know like the late like late night clubs or something like that things that are like um i guess what you'd consider like i don't know like bad or like dirty or like something like that or grimy just like just like a negative connotation basically um and i guess like the most prominent theme in the movie is like shiron's struggle with his like sexuality um and it yeah this film is unique in itself because it features like the perspective of like a queer african-american um which is largely i think i don't personally know i'm sorry for like i don't want to speak for anyone but i think that is (laughs) largely largely shamed and suppressed by society um and yeah we see like this this type of shame and suppression throughout the films even like starting from his childhood where like if you're even and this ties into like the masculinity or vulnerability thing because like i think if you even like express an ounce of being like wimpy or like timid or shy you're like considered gay or something like that you can't Mm -hmm. just be like wimpy or just a shy person you're like automatically gay because of that yeah exactly um another thing too that like sort of symbolizes the vulnerability and sort of um, the stages of Chiron's childhood and Chiron's ad- adolescence and adulthood is the presence of water and the beach. Um, so the first time we sort of see water is Juan teaching him how to keep his head up above water, kind of like keeping up his head up above the obstacles that he's going to face, yeah. especially being a black queer person. Um, and the second time um, is with Kevin when they're sort of alone in his adolescence and they talk about really just being vulnerable. Like they, they talk about like crying and they talk Mm -hmm. about like wanting to get away and just wanting to escape their current situation and sort of be vulnerable with each other. And that's sort of where they find their sexuality as well and find their connection with each other. And uh, um, like a very, very present, present symbolism between like the changes within water and how it's fluid. And then lastly, we see the water at Kevin's house and sort of Kevin and Chiron coming together and being vulnerable together and loving each other. Um, like the water just like creates this like great fluid motion of how it comes like you know comes back and forth and sort of how it it's this present of vulnerability and stands as like a symbol of the male intimacy and vulnerability in the film and how that sort of creates Sharon's character and Sharon's changes within his life and the the main aspects of life was near bodies of water and how that sort of flu- fluctuates with his life and his vul- his vulnerability of being a queer black person and vulnerability of being um a present identity of a masculine person 
yeah using water as like a device to like express these things was like yeah such a smart thing to do um and just again to like applaud how like well made this movie is like i don't have any like problems or like i don't see any flaws there's like nothing i would personally change about this movie um it was just it was told like like i said in a very straightforward format but god damn was it emotional <laughs> like yeah. each like act was like packed with like emotion and just amazing acting and what i liked or like the little tidbit that i found out like about each actor that played Chiron was that they none of them like saw each other's like take I guess so they didn't know how each other acted in each act so they didn't have like a thing like I guess a visual thing to go off of like in terms of like Chiron's like mannerisms because Barry Jenkins wanted each actor to have his own like take on Chiron oh really did not know that yeah i was like wow that's pretty (laughs) cool and like they managed to all stay like pretty consistent and so like because you can see like um each one was kind of like timid and shy and like suppressed like you literally felt the suppression which with each of them Mm -hmm. and like exactly i was like wow that's so cool like it yeah it just goes down to how well like the direction and acting was yeah everything about this movie is great and like i have no problems of it whatsoever i never had such an emotional roller coaster before <laughs> um i don't know if you've seen it or read it but there's been this thread on twitter that talks about the cut sex scene that was supposed to happen at mo- at the end of moonlight oh, no. which is really really great actually it's a really good scene um and i'm gonna read it right here the script oh, wow. <clears throat> so you know get your snacks and get your little <laughs> legs ready um so Black stands shakily. Kevin watches him as he closes the spaces between them. Drawing right up to him, Kevin takes a hand and lays it flat against Black's chest. A puzzled look coming over Kevin's face. Kevin, you shaken. Black, yeah. Kevin, wait. Kevin crosses the doorway, flips a switch, total darkness. Only the soft thudding of feet crossing the floor. Another beat, then under darkness. Black, I'm shaking. Kevin, yeah. Black, I'm still shaking. Kevin, yeah. The sound of bodies touching, the beginning of things. Then, another sound rising from afar. The sound of waves crashing, rushing onto the shore. And mingling with that rush of waves, the sound of lips and hands. The joining of bodies, somewhere in the darkness, Black and Kevin relearning one another. As we cut to exit, ocean, and the night. Those waves heard crashing moments early on display. Rushing ashore at a frothy run. Dark out, extremely dark, save for the lights of beach bars away down the front. The undulating rhythms of the Atlantic Ocean catches the moon, glinted all over. Wow. Which is also a great ending as well. And it even, like, really hammers in the fact that, like, the ocean and the water sort of, like, represent them, you know, coming back and forth and Mm -hmm. meeting up and coming together, meeting up and coming together as those two people as kevin and black being yeah. these people that always separate but come together at the end and wow it's really great like i don't know why they <laughs> cut that because it's really really good that was, it was crazy that was really nice wow that was beautiful actually i um yeah i'm like i'm trying to think of why he would cut that and maybe maybe it's because he might have not wanted it to have ended 
like been a, about like sex in the end, I guess. Mm-hmm. But even That's then, true. I like would not have had a problem with that, like because yeah. it it obviously meant the whole movie meant so much more than just like the physical act. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But still. And it's done so tastefully too. Like it's not like the show him having sex. It's more of like yeah, it cuts sort of, like, to like yeah. It sort of build up and actions to it and sort of suggestions of it sort of bring it up to like how what they're gonna do and what's gonna happen and stuff like that um but yeah i mean i'm fine with the ending too but this ending's really good too like it's so cool it's so crazy like just hearing that ending too because it's so brilliant like you know like yeah. you can't come with like two brilliant endings you, you can't do that that's too much skill why you chill <laughs> out over there <laughs> and this has been our episode on moonlight um a truly unique film um, it's really, really unique, especially because one, it's from all black cast, LBGTQ perspective, and it's just an amazing film. And again, we really need to cherish these sort of things, these black excellence pieces and black excellence in general. There's so many, so many, so many bad things happening to the black community and the black people in everywhere, really. I was going <laughs> to say one place, but really everywhere. Um, and of course, I'm Asian, so I won't experience any sort of problem that black people have and i'm very very privileged to have that and i just hate seeing things like this happen to innocent black people and black people in general because i feel like we're silencing these black voices that eventually could make something like this like moonlight like we're silencing the black creativity the black individual individuality and um it just sucks even in any aspect like if you silence any sort of voice it's a voice unheard that could change lives and could change you know the industry in whatever realm they might be in um rest in peace george floyd and prayers to his family and blessings to his family and everything like that um fuck the cop that killed him <laughs> and fuck like the police force and the crooked cops and everything around that um but just to get it off that note thank you all for listening my name is josh Handicho, and you can follow me on instagram at the space wolf and I'm Carmel, and you can follow me at catmellow. And you could follow Watched Sound on Instagram at Watched Sound, along with along with listening to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, and now Anchor. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, everybody, and keep on watching. I'm not sure anymore, just how it happened before. The places that I knew were sunny and blue. I can feel it deep inside